Um, but as we jump in, just about, I just want to share this with you, just so you can have an understanding and an expectation for what's going to kind of happen for the next 36 or so minutes. Um, spoke last night, and I felt like people, God spoke to people and touched people, impacted people, and got good response. I personally felt a little bit like, I didn't feel awesome about it in the sense that I felt like the whole night I was kind of struggling through things. And I think the reason for that is because sometimes I get really, really stuck to uh, the structure and my notes and all this different stuff. And the reality is, is I'm, I'm not that type of person. Like directions, recipes, all of those different things don't work for me. They're totally meaningless. You might as well, like I see things for directions to build stuff. I don't really build stuff to begin with. But when people <laughs> give me... When people give me directions to build, I'm like, honey, come, why don't you come help me with this? I'm in desperate need of saviors, um, a savior to help put things on walls. Um, it doesn't really work for me. I'm, I'm a feeler. I just feel things out. I know what I have and I know where I need to get and I just feel my way there. So tonight, I don't really have a whole lot of notes. I have the word of God, which I think I understand decently well. And I know where we need to go, so we're just going to work our way there. Is that okay with you? I, uh, I heard a person say one time that they're, they pontificate, and I was like, oh, he must mean, like, speak, because that's what he was doing. So I actually looked up the word pontificate, because I was going to drop it, but I want to make sure if I dropped it, I knew what it meant. That's always a good thing to do before pontificate means to share your opinions in an annoying way. And I was like, I'm not, hopefully I'm not pontificating <laughs> while I'm up there. I don't want people to think I'm annoying, but we're going to take the word of God. We're going to interpret it the best that we can tonight. Holy Spirit's going to speak to each and every one of us in a different way, I hope, and I pray. And really, at the, by the end of the night, my hope is that God speaks to you in such a way, and he continue, continues to speak to me in such a way, where we are different people than when we came into this place. We're more full of hope, we're more full of faith, that the peace of God would encounter you in this place, that you would have this revelation, maybe something that you need to cut out of your life or change in your life, or maybe you've been insecure and you need encouragement from God, and God wants to speak a word of life over you and encourage you and re-secure your identity so that you can be all that he created you to be. And we're going to pray, so we'll probably get to this place where I'm like done talking, and I might even stand, pause, and it might be awkward. And that's like really the time of the night where we just need to pray. So if you join me, in a lot of ways, this kind of feels like a monologue sometimes, but it becomes a dialogue when we get to that place of prayer and you just are between you and the Lord and I'm hopefully leading and directing, but more than anything, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and just take that moment to respond and allow God to do something in your life tonight. Amen? Amen. We're in a series called Tis the Season. If you'd put that slide up. I don't know if it helps or not, but Tis the Season and what we're doing in this series is we were sitting down as a team kind of talking about during the holiday season, should we do something on Advent or whatever it might be? And, you know, what series could we go into prior to Christmas? And we felt like we were just talking about it. And there are a lot of different cultural things that we go through as Americans and just different things that come with the holidays. And a lot of people feel certain pressures or anxieties around these things like decorations and just the spirit and the, the festivity of the season or tonight we'll talk a little bit from the context of gift giving and the idea of gifts 
not so much like whether or not you should give gifts or if they're good or they're bad or if lights are good or bad or Christmas trees. That's really not the point. What we're trying to say is what are the, the anxieties and the, the pressures that people feel and why do they feel them and how can we go to the word of God and find truth in light of all of those things and help pastor and shepherd and lead our people so that the holidays are not something that you dread, but despite wherever you're at on all the festivities and stuff of it, so that you can know what God thinks about you and you can know what God has for you in this season. And, and it truly can be a season where it's not about all that stuff, but the real meaning of it is Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about gifts tonight. The, the title of tonight's message is, All I Want for Christmas is You. Yes. All I Want for Christmas is You. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We'll read verses 10 through 13. You're probably familiar with verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, just a quick thought. As Paul is writing this, it's very unique in light of the Christmas season. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and it's evident that the church in Philippi recognized a need that Paul had, probably financially, Paul was a missionary to these people and he was facing persecution and he was imprisoned, he was stranded on islands, he was stoned and people would try to beat him and kill him and he had all these needs, especially financially, in order to continue his mission. So it's probably what we believe is the church of Philippi recognized, hey, Paul needs some money, let's send him a gift and Paul is addressing that gift of generosity specifically in these words and this is what he says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him, who strengthens me. It's interesting, Paul used the word content. I think if you were to think about a lot of our lives, sometimes there are maybe a lot of different characteristics that you would ascribe to each and every one of us, some of them good, some of them bad. I think one of them that we're often very rarely contributed to is contentment. If we're being honest, the thing about the holiday season is what the holidays do is really exposes a lot of weakness in each and every one of us. Most of us in this room when you were younger and Christmas time was coming around, you were probably really, really excited about the lights and the Christmas presents and all that stuff. Now that I'm an adult and when I talk to a lot of adults, that's really not the emotion and the sentiment around Christmas. It's a lot less like joy and, and, and excitement, although you might feel some of that. I like Christmas. I like Christmas music after Thanksgiving happens. Okay, keep things in order. <laughs> And I like lights and I like gifts and all that stuff. But there's this overwhelming continual sense as years go by and Christmas come and comes where I'm just kind of like not as excited as I used to be. And I feel more and more stress and anxiety and pressure than ever before. And I think what it really does is it's revealing to me, Connor, it's because you're discontent. Because we generally fluctuate on this spectrum as human beings, and, and again, Christmas, the Christmas season reveals this to us, where we have either nothing, we're brought low, like Paul was, or we have everything, 
But the reality is, is that you could have nothing and be equally as discontent as someone who has everything and be equally as discontent. And what Christmas does is it reveals to people on both ends of the spectrum or anywhere in between that no matter what you have, something is missing. Like this, like maybe you have nothing in this season of life. Maybe you're a young person, college kid, you don't have a lot to give, you work minimum wage, and Christmas time is coming, and you have this pressure to give gifts to people, but you can't afford to give gifts to people. So as Christmas time draws closer, as the 25th of December gets closer and closer, there's this anxiety that continues to build up inside of you, this pressure because you feel like you have to give something to someone that you don't have in order for them to know that you love them. And this dissonance is happening inside of you because you don't have anything to give, but you love this person, but you feel like you have to give something to them for them to know that you love them, but you don't have anything to give. So you're dreading when Christmas time comes and I don't have anything to give, they're going to think that I don't love them. So we live discontent and we live full of depression and anxiety and worry. Just a really practical tip. Try doing this this year at Christmas. If you're in that position, you feel like you have nothing to give. Wrap yourself up and put yourself underneath the Christmas tree. Not in a weird way. Maybe, just, maybe don't wrap yourself up. Just put a bow. But seriously, because here's the issue. The reason why that feeling that you're feeling when you don't feel like you have anything to give to people and you expect them to, and they, you expect that they expect to receive something from you in order for this to be this mutual transaction of affection and love and adoration towards each other and sense and purpose and meaning is it brings you to this place where you have to ask yourself, because I have nothing to give, am I enough? Am I in and of myself enough for people? And I think because probably nobody wraps themselves up and puts themselves under a Christmas tree when they have nothing else to give to people, what we're really communicating to ourselves and the people around us in our culture and our society is we don't believe that we, in and of ourselves, are enough for people. Maybe it's not Christmas time. Maybe you just live year-round under this pressure to feel like you have to give and give and give, but you're recognizing that you don't have anything to give in order to impress people or get people's approval the way that you want it. And the question you've been asking yourself is, am I enough? Do I have purpose and meaning and value and worth in this life? Or do I have to come up with stuff in order to give it to people to get the approval that I want? but I can't seem to keep doing that, so will I ever get it? So we live discontent. Before we continue forward, I just, for whatever it means to you, wherever you're at, and I pray that God speaks to you in this moment, you are enough. You can put, you know, you can put whatever you want on yourself and put yourself wherever you want to the people that you love. No matter what anyone tells you, no matter what culture tells you, no matter what any weak form of thinking that you have been, that's been put on you, that's tried to deceive you and convince you that you're meaningless and purposeless. I believe because I believe in the God of the universe who sent his son Jesus, that you in and of yourself are enough. That Jesus loves you right where you are, that he speaks and he looks at you right where you are and he has approval towards you and affection towards you and you in and of yourself, you are the only thing that pleases him. Your lack of abundance, your lack of stuff, your lack of achievements or accomplishments, none of those things deter his love for you. 
He just looks at each and every one of us just amazed in the same way that you parents know this, that when your stupid kids mess up and screw up, they think that you hate them more than you hate them because you just love them because they're your kids. Now, you might be frustrated. That's probably fair. But at the end of the day, J.O.'s like, yep. (laughs) At the end of the day, and I don't know this yet really because I'm not a parent, But I think I've encountered God's grace towards me, so I understand it a little bit. At the end of the day, all that really matters is that we are his children, and he looks at us with love and affection. And unlike J.O. or myself in the future, God is not flawed. God is not, his love is perfect towards us. So to a certain extent, you do understand it, but we don't understand it. It's even better and greater than we could ever imagine. So when you're in that moment, when you recognize that you have nothing, if the only thing that you ever say to yourself again is this, in that place, in that time, no matter what I can't give to anybody, the God of the universe loves me, and that's enough for me, and I am enough to him. Other end of the spectrum, you have everything. If you're this person, you're really hard to shop for for Christmas. It's like, what do you give someone who has everything? And I'm telling you, that anxiety is real. But not even that. It's not about me who doesn't have everything who's got to give to people who do have everything. It's not about you, Connor. I know. (laughs) If you're the person who does have everything, you have the approval of people, you have lots of followers on Instagram, you have lots of money in the bank, or you just have, like, you've built up this network and you've built up these accomplishments and you've built up all this material worth and value. But the reality is, and people look at you and they envy you because of your situation. But what they aren't saying and what you're not saying, and maybe they don't know it, but you know it, is that regardless of all of those things, you feel really, really numb and empty on the inside. Because the reality is, is that you could have a ton of outward stuff. You could have a ton of money. You could have a ton of accomplishments. You could have the platform and the job title and everything that you could ever want on this earth and still feel totally empty on the inside. Like, why do we see all these people come to great success and meaning and purpose in our culture and society, and then all of a sudden it's this scandal all over the news because they did something crazy or they committed suicide or whatever it is, but they came to this place of destruction. It's because they built this kingdom that never really satisfied them, and they kept looking at it, and there's this separation in their brain. They're like, why do I have all of this stuff, but it doesn't satisfy me? Because the reality is that nothing outside, outside of us can really satisfy what we need on the inside. And what Paul is saying is no matter where you're at, whether you're low or you're high, contentment doesn't lie in what's outside of you. If you're here tonight, you feel like you have everything and you feel numb on the inside and you feel like, I feel like there, you know, there are times where maybe you're here and you got all the family coming over for Christmas, you bought all the presents, you've been doing it for years, and you're just like, everyone keeps thinking that it's a holly and jolly Christmas, but no one knows that I'm dying on the inside. I'm coming to you tonight to encourage you. I can't give anything to you. But I think that God wants to heal you and set you free and do something in your heart tonight that will change your existence for the rest of eternity. To reawake love and passion and purpose inside of you. To bring contentment to you where you can look at all the stuff that you have and be like, take it or leave it. 
Jesus is the only one who satisfies me. Now, our culture wants to say that that's what it means to live meaningful and purposeful. And if you have thought that, and as a young person who's ambitious and all this different stuff, I constantly have to fight that thought. But don't ever think that, because maybe you're not there, but you want to get there. Just a warning to you. You can build that kingdom, but it will not satisfy you the way that you want to be satisfied. Just go talk to any rich person. I uh, heard a rich person recently, not recently, someone told me a story of this person, and a local person, probably every one of us knows who's, who this person is. And this person was caddying for them in golf. The, this person that I know is caddying for this wealthy person. And he was asking him for his advice and all this different stuff. And he said, how did you get here? And he said, well, I made a choice to go after wealth and finances and business. And it was the choice that I wanted to make. He said, what advice do you have for me? He said, pick what you want to go after and understand that there are consequences to it. That you'll have to give up something to get what you want. He said, I wanted wealth and business and I gave up my family. It's the reality. You can't have everything. What is it that you want? Understand that every course, every pursuit, every intention, every desire comes with a reward it may not be the one that you want, but it also comes with consequences. And if we get lost in either of those things, then we'll come to this place of discontentment. But really my hope and my prayer is that even right now before I can continue forward saying anything else, that we would all come to this place where we would say, Jesus is all that I need and he's all that I want. And when we can come to that place, we can live a life of contentment. This is the question I had to ask myself, or I was asking myself, is why do we even get to that place of discontentment? Water break. Why do we even get to that place of discontentment? Because I think a lot of us, if we're, we'll probably say cognitively, Connor, I, I, I want Jesus. I've been following Jesus faithfully, and I'm a really, really good person, and I show up to church regularly, but I still feel this feeling of discontentment. And I think that's important to recognize why we come to that place, and I think the reason is this. Whether it's cognitively or subconsciously, at some point in time, you've identified a situation in your life, whether it's uh, your physical need for satisfaction or your spiritual need for satisfaction or something in your identity where you have tried to create that satisfaction on your own. And you've tried to fill that void on your own. And when we do that, we play God. And what happens is we try to fill voids and we try to satisfy things on our own strength, on our own accord, with our own resources that only God can satisfy. And it leaves us in this place where we realize that, whether we recognize it intellectually, we feel it spiritually because we feel more empty than we did before. For instance, if you turn to social media for social approval and security in your identity. What you're saying is, I need to get likes in order to feel good about myself. So you play God, you take selfies and you do all these different things and you glam it up and you mask it up and you post three times a day. And what happens is you're trying to get self-approval for yourself that only God can give to you. The reason why we turn to this ambitious pursuit of money in an unhealthy way is because we're worried. We want to have certain things for our family or for ourselves. So we're worried that we can't get it. So we go after this 
crazy we think is entrepreneurial as possible, as creative as possible. We try every business adventure or whatever, and I'm not against any of those things. I am entrepreneurial myself. I think that that's okay. But if you're doing it in such a way where you recognize cognitively or subconsciously that you are your own provider, it will lead you down this trail, this pursuit of money and wealth that will never satisfy you. And it's possible that you'll do things to get there that will compromise your life that will compromise your family, that will compromise your integrity. And this is what's happening. We go down these journeys in order to satisfy things on our own, and it leaves us even more unsatisfied. Because the only thing that can satisfy us is the God who created us. I really like clothes, and I like making clothes. Now, if you come to me, and you've created a garment, for counsel, creatively, you say, Connor, what could I do differently? I would probably give you some advice, but at the end of the day, you're the creator of that garment, so you only know what's best for it. This is the problem. As human beings, there's something broken inside each and every one of us, something void each inside each and every one of us, and we're just a created thing. And we go to other created things in order to heal those broken wounds and mend those errors. But the only thing that can mend it and heal it and fix it is the God who created it. So in order to satisfy what's broken, in order to satisfy what's torn, in order to satisfy what's cold and dark, we need to go to the source, the person who created it, in order to heal it. And anything outside of that will only leave us even more broken and hurting and discontent. That's the foundation for the evening. I have good news for you. You can live a life of contentment. You can live a life of real satisfaction. You can live a life of real joy and meaning and purpose, regardless of what's going on outside of you. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's look at what Paul says. Paul says this, now that, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. What Paul is really saying, that word content means this, that you recognize that in and of yourself, everything that you are inside of you is all that you need, and you're not dependent on things outside of you. Does that make sense? So really just on a practical level, nothing outside of you has any meaning or value. Not that it doesn't have any meaning or value, that's wrong. It doesn't give you any extra meaning or value or sense of worth or purpose in this life, but everything that you are, you in and of yourself as a human being, actually when you translate that word content in one way, it just means to be, to be and to exist. So what he's saying is just me and in and of my existence is all that I am, and that's all that really matters. Let me ask you this question. If any of those things that you had around you, that you put meaning and worth and value in, were stripped away from you, would Jesus be enough for you? And they could be good things. It could be a spouse. It could be your church family. Maybe God sends you out somewhere. And this is stripped away from you. Is that enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you in that moment? 
Sometimes we think so dramatic and we're like, we'd be like Paul stranded on an island. That's not really relevant for the American people. None of us are really going to find ourselves stranded on an island. But like are things that you hold closely and tightly to, even good things, if those things are stripped from you, is Jesus enough for you? And if he's not, you have to come to a place where he is. Because everything outside of you can be taken away in a moment like that. And when it does, the rubber will meet the road. And you'll find out who you really are on the inside. And my hope and my prayer for each and every one of us is that when we get to that place, we say, Jesus, you're all that I want and need. And it doesn't matter what comes or goes. You're enough for me. Paul goes on to say, it's interesting, he repeats himself. He says it twice. But this time, if you put it up, the second part of that, that verse, I think verses 11 and 12, Philippians 4, sorry. Go back one more. There we go. He says, in any, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And one other translation, he says, I have learned the secret of contentment. Do you want to know what the secret of contentment is? Yes? Okay. I don't really need you to respond. I'm going to tell you anyway. It's like, what if they said no? Well, the secret of contentment is this. If you look at the scriptures, do a word study what that word secret will bring you to is it will bring you to this definition that has a visual reference. And the visual reference is this, that you would close your eyes and you would turn off the sound. Go with me. What Paul is saying is the secret of contentment is that in every situation, in every circumstance, whether it's good seemingly or it's bad seemingly, that you would come to this place where you would just close your eyes and you would turn off all the noises and all the voices, and you wouldn't let them speak into you. And you would just allow yourself to hear from God and him alone. And you would see Jesus and Jesus alone. And that in and of itself would bring you satisfaction and meaning and purpose. What you might need to do in this holiday season when all the friends and family are over for Christmas is just close your eyes. When you're looking at your bank account and you don't see any money in it, what you might need to do is just close your eyes. When you find yourself all alone and you don't feel like you have the relationships that you want, the family that you want, all these different stuff, what you might need to do is just close your eyes. Because what happens is if we just see what's immediately around us and that's all that we see, it brings us to this place of discontentment because we can't find the hope and the faith in those things alone. What we have to be able to do is close our eyes with all the circumstances that are going on around us and all the people that are around us, even if they're good. It might be like sometimes I'm with my wife and I just close my eyes. Not because I don't love my wife and because she's not awesome. She is. If you're watching this, honey, I love you. <laughs> but the truth is she can't satisfy me the way that I desire to be satisfied. So I have to see Jesus And she can speak love to me. And she does a great job at doing it. She's the best wife in the world. But there's still something deeper inside of me that needs to be loved. And she can't do it. Only God can. Amen. 
Because she doesn't know what that is. She didn't create me. He did. He knows exactly what it is. And only he has the resources to fill that hole. So what Paul is saying is, you know what I've learned, church in Philippi? Whether I have a lot or a little of stuff, I just have learned to close my eyes. You know, when you're thinking about this world is coming to an end, all this craziness is going on, things going on in the Middle East, things going on in America, what you probably need to do is just shut off Fox News and CNN. When you don't like what you see on the TV, close your eyes. Because I promise you, you'll probably never see anything other than the second coming that will satisfy you. Because the things that will satisfy you are unseen. It's this hope that lies in front of us, the hope that we don't see yet. It's that single person who you've been embracing the singleness that God has had for you. And you're still, you're like, when is the time going to come when I'm going to find my lover? Just close your eyes. If you keep them open and you keep looking at the people around you, you might not see the person that God has for you. And that's the problem. You keep seeing these people and you keep thinking, I'll just keep testing the waters. But the person that God has for you, he's going to reveal to you in your imagination in the things unseen. You keep looking for financial counsel from certain people and those voices keep leading you down the wrong track. What you need to do is you need to close your eyes and you need to shut off the sound of those people and you need to just get before God when it's awkward and it feels like restless and just be like, Lord, I'll wait to hear from you until you speak to me because you're the only one who can satisfy me and lead me into the place that I need to be led into. When you feel so insecure about your identity, who you are. You don't feel like anyone understands you. You don't feel like anyone gets you. You don't feel like anyone can see the goodness inside of you. What you probably need to do is just close your eyes and close your ears and allow God to speak his affections over you. And this is the secret of contentment. That we would come to this place where it wouldn't be our last resort but we would wake up in the morning and we would just close our eyes. As people ask me all the time, Connor, what do you, people who, who maybe don't believe what I believe, or, or what do you mean you have a relationship with Jesus? You just go to church, man. What do you mean? And I'm like, no, it's not religion, it's relationship. And what do you mean you have a relationship with Jesus? That's a fair question. Because <laughs> where's Jesus? Where are you at, man? You hiding from me? I can't see him. So how do you have a relationship with someone that no one can see? And he has a relationship with everybody? What does that mean? This is what it means. Just totally honestly. This is the way that I think about it in my simple mind. I have an imaginary friend. But he's real. But I literally, I close my eyes in this life. And the scriptures, not my phone, but the scriptures have told me about the character and the nature of this God. So I give God back the imagination that he's given to me. And we just talk to each other. Like when I'm going through all this different stuff, whatever it is, good or bad, I'm just like, I just close my eyes and I shut down the sound of all the people around me and the stuff around me. I say, Lord, let's talk about this. 
And it's from that place where I'm satisfied. And all of a sudden, I open my eyes, and regardless of whether things are really, really good or things are really, really bad, I find myself in this place where I don't care either way. That when things are really, really good, I'm like, wow, what a cherry on top. That's awesome. But I just understand how much God loves me. And then when things are really, really bad, I find myself where I'm like, I'm recognizing, I'm looking at all this stuff around me, and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know how this is going to work. I, don't, I can't seem to satisfy the people around me. I'm really, really concerned with what people think about me. And yada, yada, and I feel all this insecurity and discontent. And I just close my eyes and I try to shut down the sound. And I hear God speak to me. And I hear just in this stillness, I, I know his affections towards me. I know how much he loves me. I know how much, how, he, how much he cares for me. And I come to this place of peace. And then when, when I'm ready, I open my eyes again. And it doesn't seem like stuff has changed a whole lot around me, but... I'm content. Will you be weird and close your eyes and shut off the sound? That is the secret of contentment. Seth, I'm going to invite you back up. I told you this moment was going to come. I was, uh, in light of that, I was in the back of the room during worship. I kept seeing all these people come in, people that I had seen last night and who had heard this, something like this. And I had this feeling inside of me of like this worry and anxiousness. What are they going to think about me? They've already heard this before. And I had these thoughts like, they're going to think that He's not obedient to the Spirit. He just has these rehearsed sermons. He just, it's like, they're not going to be satisfied. They're not going to be entertained. And then I heard the voice of God say to me, Connor, close your eyes. Because I was discontent because of the circumstances that I saw around me. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me, let me preach your message to you all over again. And it's really simple. The secret of contentment is this, Connor. Close your eyes. Not when you're driving, but close your eyes. <laughs> Just right now in this moment, wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're going through, because you might be in a place of refuge right now, or you might, maybe this place, maybe you, you took the chance to bear the walls of this building, and it really is a place that for whatever reason you got here, but it makes you feel scared. Just close your eyes right now. God, ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to each and every heart. That you'd bring peace in a way that only you can. that you'd comfort each and every person right now in this place, God. We, play for, we pray for hopeless situations. We pray that you bring hope right now in Jesus' name. God, I don't know what that looks like, supernatural, just something that could happen in this moment, but I believe that you're the God of the universe and you do impossible things. So I pray for that person, those people, wherever they're at, they just have this sense, this overwhelming sense that nothing 
I don't know what else can happen in this life. I don't know if there's anything that I could ever believe in and hope for. If anything could ever good could happen to me, you've come, kind of come to the end of your road. God, I pray for that person right now, Holy Spirit, that you would refresh hope in them. God, the person just riddled with anxiety and depression and worry and fear. They're jumpy. Every time something happens, they just can't help but look behind their back and they are so paralyzed to move forward. I pray right now, your perfect love would go to that place in their heart and you would cast out all fear. Even right now in this moment, as the enemy tries to distract and discourage and lie and deceive, we silence that right now in Jesus' name, God. And we pray, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak to each and every person the word that they need to hear in this moment. God, we pray for our minds, for the thoughts and the things that we've seen that are not what you have for us. God, we ask that you'd renew them right now in Jesus' name, that you'd rewire our brains. God, I pray for anything that anyone's seen that has created just this anxiety and this fear and they keep seeing those images, they keep seeing what they saw. I pray right now, God, that you would do what only you can do, that you would release them of that in Jesus' name, God. Break off that stronghold and I pray that you would drop a vision and just things from above that only you could create and reorchestrate and redeem. I pray that you would put that vision in their mind and in their heart and you'd redeem that and restore that right now in Jesus' name. God, we pray for anyone who has come to this place of numbness. They want to be good. They want to be alive again, but they've just become numb. And they're discontent. They're dissatisfied. I pray right now, God, that you would do only you can do. And that specific, you know exactly what they need in their heart. I pray that you do it right now in Jesus' name, God, that you would reawake passion inside of them, that you'd reawake purpose inside of them, that you'd reawake faith inside of them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, that you'd fill them and you'd give them courage and strength. I think wherever it is that you find yourself on kind of maybe that spectrum or somewhere in between where you don't feel like you have anything and you're asking yourself, am I enough? Or you feel like you recognize on the outside you have all of this stuff, but you're wondering inside of you, is this ever really going to satisfy me? Either way, we find ourselves alone. And we find ourselves really, really vulnerable. And I think the greatest fear that we have in that place of vulnerability uh, is that no one, when we get to that place, that no one would love us and no one would understand us, and no one would receive us. But listen what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4. It it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. It says this, For we do not have a high priest. We don't have Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Then it says this, 
what he's saying is Jesus has experienced every emotion and sentiment and feeling and every sense of weakness, every sense of insecurity, every sense of inadequacy, but he was perfect in those moments because he was totally content with God's love and affection for him, but he meets us exactly where we are and he knows exactly what we're going through. So if you're in that place and you feel like, God, Connor, no one understands me, no one gets me, maybe not even God, I'm here to tell you this morning, God gets you and he sees you and he knows exactly what you're going through. And listen what it says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. In this holiday season, wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're going through, and not just in the holiday season, but in June and July, maybe you celebrate Christmas in June and July. I don't know why you do that, but whatever it is that you do, Know this, that Jesus sees you exactly as you are, knows exactly what you're going through. The scripture says this, confidently. Whatever story or news line or anything has ever told you that you can confidently come in all of your vulnerability, in all of your weakness, in all of your brokenness, that you can confidently come to anybody. No, what the world wants to tell you is recognize your insecurity, recognize your brokenness, recognize your weakness, and drown in it. Let it overwhelm you and consume you. But the good news of the gospel is God sees us just as we are, and he doesn't see us dirty, and he doesn't see us broken. He sees us as his sons and his daughters, and his desires that we would come confidently to him, knowing that when we come, we come to a throne room of grace. Not a judgment seat of wrath and analyzing and a picking apart. He's just beckoning us. Come, just as you are. But when you come, know that he will heal you and he will restore you and he will give back everything that's ever been taken from you and you will be way different. You'll be the person that you wanna be but what it means is taking that moment and step of vulnerability and risk saying I'll step out in the light just as I am knowing that there's a God who loves me and will heal me and restore me. Close your eyes, turn off the sound and let the cry of your heart in this holiday season be, Jesus, all I need and want is you.